Ooh, a step of the... All right, well, welcome back to A Step Further. Um, this week we're diving into a question that I posed on Sunday morning. Uh, what Jesus do you know? It really comes from the idea, you know, I have friends or people that I know who have either walked away from faith, walked away from, from Christianity, or they don't know Christianity. Um, they don't know what's what that's about. They don't know Jesus, or they don't believe in Jesus, and that's fair. Um, the, the question, and the reason I guess I'm asking that question is, <clears throat> what Jesus do we know is because what Jesus are we portraying out there in the world? Uh, when I think about some of these people that I love so much, I think about, well, what Jesus have they either said they don't believe in or they've walked away from or whatever? And and that just goes back to the church. What what Jesus do we know? What Jesus are we portraying out there in the world? Is it the real Jesus or is it the this Sunday morning Jesus? And Earlier on, and I didn't mention this on Sunday morning, but earlier on, um, probably, I was trying to think if it was in the weekend or if it was in the, during the week, I had considered this, the, the story of Joseph in the book of Genesis. Joseph in the, the coat of many colors. Well, um, Joseph was somebody who, he was hated by his brothers, and he started talking about all of these dreams, right, that he would have about how even his family would bow down to him. And, of course, that created this this um, sort of hatred for Joseph. And so if you know the story of Joseph, you can kind of read it. It's in Genesis. and kind of get an idea of, of what it's all about. But read it. Um, the whole concept of Joseph and his journey from, from being just one of the one of the sons of Jacob going into the right hand uh, man or whatever of Pharaoh in Egypt, and so that whole journey and the idea that uh, towards the end of that story, the brothers, the rest of the brothers, have to come to to Egypt because there's a famine in going on in Israel, so they need food, right? And so they come to Egypt for food. And they don't realize that Joseph is still living. They thought he had died. And so here's this man who looks like an Egyptian. He talks like an Egyptian, right? So he must be an Egyptian. But really, it's Joseph. He is uh, living in Egypt, and he is at the right hand of Pharaoh. And so he has the power of Pharaoh. And... It's a story of redemption. Is is that in the in the right moment? And then Joseph takes all of the makeup off, and they realize it's Joseph. They realize that he's been alive all this time. The story of Joseph really is a foreshadowing of the story of Jesus. The story of Jesus, and to to even go deeper, it's the story of reuniting the Jewish people with their Messiah. So it starts off right. The the people hate. Jesus. And Jesus even says, don't be surprised if the world hates you, but it's not you. They hated me first. And he says, or, or excuse me, the family goes on and, and they hate him. So they sell him off, right? And they, they think that he's going to die. And 
it comes time, it, you know, Joseph goes through all this horrible things. And so Jesus has to go through his journey and, and be beaten and scourged and put on a cross. And Jesus actually did die, but Jesus raises from the dead, right? And he is a living God. He is the Messiah. Uh, but the Jews haven't accepted that. And so with that in mind... Uh, it's the same thing as Joseph. So Joseph goes and, and, and they think he's long gone, but now Joseph has gained power. And when they need him most, he becomes sort of their Messiah. And, uh, but he has to, he opens up that door for a revelation. Joseph does. He opens up that door for a revelation where his makeup has to come off and he has to forgive his brothers for what they did for him. Right? So Jesus has forgiven us for what we've done to cause him to go to the cross. And then there's that reunification. And so I feel like for a long time, though, with that that whole story in mind, I feel like for a long time that we've, the church has kind of put this makeup on Jesus, and, and they haven't really shown the, the true Jesus, the true Jewish Messiah, number one, but then the true Jesus as to who he really is. And if you read scriptures, he's a lot different, I think, than what over the course of time, we've portrayed him to be. And I think about when he met people like the woman at the well, or when he met the woman with the blood issue, or when he met, um, there were like two or three blind men. And there was a, there was a, a blind man in, in the book of Mark in chapter 8, and there was a blind man in the book of John chapter 9. It could have been the same guy, who knows, um, or there's, they're unsure about that. But then in Mark 10, there's this blind beggar that is in Jericho. So um, the blind man in Mark 8 and possibly the blind man in, in John 9, both of them were the same, possibly the same guy in by the pool of Bethsaida, okay, which is Jerusalem area. Um, but then this other guy in in uh, Jericho, as Jesus was leaving Jericho, and they came across this blind beggar. He's the guy I want to focus on today for for the for this going deeper message. Um, and it's in Mark ten. So if you're if you've got a Bible or your tablet or your phone or whatever. Um, it's in Mark 10, and it's verse 46, 46 through 52. It's basically the end of the chapter. And I want to focus on this guy because there's some questions that even I have when that kind of came to me throughout this whole thing when when kind of studying this, this idea of a blind man getting healed, this blind man calling out to Jesus. And so there were a couple questions that even I had. And it made this is what kind of brought on to the idea of what Jesus do we know? So last week, uh, and I didn't do a podcast on it, but last last Sunday, so the Sunday before yesterday, we talked about one true love and the idea of understanding love from God's perspective, right? Going out into the world with God's love. And I think that this is kind of a continuation of that message going, okay, I, we need to take the real Jesus. If, if God is love and we're supposed to take that love into the world, the only way we can take that into the world is through Jesus because Jesus is the light of the world. 
Uh, and we take that light and that love into the world. But what kind of Jesus are we putting out there into the world? Are we putting a false Jesus out there, this Jesus that we've sort of made up in our mind or that we've created? Or is it the real Jesus, the Jesus of the scriptures, the Jesus that really did come and live here on earth and die and raise from the dead and is seated at the right hand of the Father, that that Jesus? Because that's the Jesus that is the living God. That's the Jesus that the world needs to know. That's the Jesus that that uh, conveys and portrays and everything and exudes the love of God. So, with that in mind, then you're reading these scriptures. So, I'm in Mark 10, in verse 46, and I'm reading today out of the complete Jewish Bible. So, um, what I'm going to try to do is I'm going to, some of the words that are Hebrew words, I will try and translate to what they wouldn't, how we would know them. So for example, there's a Hebrew word Talmudim, which literally means disciples. I'm going to read it as disciples. Uh, but if you ever read that, that translation, there are some words in there that you would go, what does that mean? Um, so I'm going to try and read them as how we would know them. Anyway, So it says, they came to Jericho, and Yeshua, Jesus, was leaving Jericho with his Talmudim, his disciples, and a great crowd, and a blind beggar, uh, in in most translations it's Bartimaeus, Um, so in in this one it's Bartimai, which is son of Timai, son son of Timaeus, or Timaeus, was sitting by the side of the road. When he heard that, it was Jesus from Nazareth, He started shouting, Jesus, son of David, Yeshua, son of David, have pity on me. Many people scolded him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the louder, son of David, have pity on me. Yeshua stopped and said, call him over. They called him to the blind man. Now catch this, they called to the blind man, he's blind. They said, courage, get up, he's calling for you. Throwing his blanket down, he jumped up and came over to Yeshua. What do you want me to do for you, asked Yeshua. The blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me be able to see again. So Yeshua said to him, Go, your trust has healed you. Instantly he received his sight and followed him down the road. So here's the question I have. How did the blind man know who Jesus was? So here's what it says. Jesus was leaving Jericho and his disciples with his disciples and a great crowd, and a blind blind beggar, okay, this is a blind man who can't see, was sitting by the side of the road. When he heard that it was Jesus from Nazareth, that's how the scriptures put it. When, it, when they heard that it was Yeshua from Nazareth, Jesus from Nazareth, he started shouting, Yeshua, son of David. How did he know who Yeshua was? How did he know you know, the whole idea that this is the son of David, this is the Messiah that has to be, there's a whole uh, theology behind who Jesus needed to be. Jesus needed to be in the lineage of David. He needed to be called, he was called the son of David. And there's this, like we could go on forever on, on that theology, but this man knew who Jesus was. And all it said was he heard that Jesus from Nazareth was walking by. I mean, if you were a blind man, you would, you would be thinking, okay, who is Yeshua from Nazareth? Like, that's how I, w- I would be sitting there going, okay, Yeshua from Nazareth. This guy seems important. What's so great about him? I've heard about him. He, he, 
He heals people. I've heard about his miracles. He heals people. This is a blind beggar, though, on the road. He's not somebody who goes and sits in the synagogues. He's not somebody who is reading scripture and studying. He can't see. He's blind. How does he know about Jesus? And he knows because he's heard. Right? He's he's heard about Jesus. He's heard about who he is. And he's heard about the miracles. He's heard about all he's done. And so he says, Son of David, have pity on me. I have heard about you. Right? The scripture doesn't say that, but that's he has to how he has to know who Jesus is. I've heard about you. Son of David, have pity on me. And so he says, What can I do for you? He says, I want to be able to see again. And so Jesus says, go, your trust or your faith has healed you. So this man heard about who Jesus was. He knew who Jesus was because of what he heard. And how did he know who Jesus was according to Scripture? Because somebody showed him or somebody or or Jesus revealed himself in ways that the Scriptures point to him. So the healings, the miracles, the, uh, the you know, knowing who this guy was. So the reason I'm saying this is the Bible says that faith comes from hearing the message and the message comes from the word, right? So this guy's trust in knowing who Jesus was. He, he heard who Jesus was and he believed that that is who Jesus was. He believed that that is what Jesus could do. He believed in all of those things. And because of that faith, that faith restored him. That faith made him well. What Jesus do you know? What Jesus are you putting out there in the world? Because there are people out there who need healing. There are people out there who need to be able to see again. There are people out there who need to be able to hear again. There are people out there who need diseases taken care of. They need sicknesses taken away from them. They need healing. They need restoration. They need restored. There are people out there. But if they don't hear who the right Jesus is, how will they ever be healed? How will they ever be restored? How will they ever know who, what Jesus do you know? I was also reading about uh, that blind man in in John. I'm going to go over to John chapter 9. And uh, it starts with the first verse. And it says this, it says, as Yeshua passed along, he saw a blind man from birth. Now, this is another key. And he saw a blind man from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents? Because this is what they thought. This is, this is the belief, was that when people had these types of infirmities, that it was always attached to a sin, whether it was the sin of the father or mother or the sin of the person themselves. And and so because we live in a fallen world, right? You want to know why we have sicknesses and, and diseases and all that stuff. We we do live in a fallen world and because there is sin that has entered into there's evil in the world today. The world isn't perfect. We know this. Uh it's that's proof or reasoning why there are sicknesses and diseases and and things that our imperfections, right? They're out there because we live in a fallen world. And so what they were asking Jesus was, well, what what iniquity, what sin or whatever was in this? Who sinned? Was it the man himself? 
that he was blind from birth? And my question there is, this is my own personal question, is how could somebody sin from birth, right? Like, how can somebody miss the mark from birth? And yet, uh, you know, they were asking, did he do it or did his parents do it or what? And so it says, he says, Yeshua answered, his blindness is neither is due neither to his sin or that of his parents. It happened so that God's power might be seen and work in him. As long as it is, he says, as long as it is day, we must keep doing the work of the one who sent me. Uh, the night is coming when no one can work. When I am in the world, while I am in the world, he says, I am the light of the world. And so he spit on the ground and he made some mud with saliva, put it on the man's eyes and said, go wash it off in the pool of Shiloh, which means scent. And so he sent and washed away, or washed and came away singing again. So in, let's see, this is the book. Yes, this is the one where um, the... If you keep reading about it, the the Pharisees, uh, he goes to the Pharisees and they start kind of interrogating him about it all. And the whole idea is a spiritual blindness too. And I think that we've been spiritually blind about who Jesus is. I think what we've kind of eliminated or we've held back because we don't understand it or whatever, the idea of who Jesus is. We don't understand the whole idea of the healing and the, the the idea that salvation, as we know it, comes in a complete package. It comes in a, this. It's like this package called shalom, which we translate as peace, but it's the idea of completeness, knowing you know or believing that we have healing, believing that we are whole, we are made whole. The Bible says, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation, so we're made whole. And with that in mind, I mean, we're talking mind, body, and and soul, mind, body, and and everything in it. So he says, love, remember uh, Deuteronomy 6, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, and with all your strength. With all your heart, with all your mind, and with all your strength. So with your inner man, with your thoughts, and with your uh, being, your body, your 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 outer man that's the the vessel and when i when i am completely when it says i'm completely saved you know as somebody who is saved if, if jesus really truly saved me and i've been reborn the way the bible calls it being reborn or rebirthed into spirit and truth uh, i have to understand that that salvation includes mind body and soul my inner man, my thoughts, and my outer man, my my outer being. Uh, so we have to understand that Jesus saved us in that way. We can experience healing. We can experience the same things that these guys experienced back then in such a way that other people will hear the message. Other people will understand the message of who Jesus really is. And by that, they will trust too. And by that, they would receive healing. By that, they would receive restoration. Uh, just like this blind man, just like the blind man in Mark 10. This blind man was was born blind. Can you imagine being born blind? And it says that it was born blind so that God's power would be revealed at work in him. It might be seen at work in him. And that's what his, his blindness was about. 
so that God's power can be seen, right? So sometimes we go through things and we wonder, what happened? Like, what? why am I experiencing this? But, but then God's power is going to be seen. And that's what I want. Like, I want people to see God's power at work, God's hand at work. There, I want people to see healing and experience healing so that other people can see healing and then experience healing. And not just healing, but... Um, yeah, rather physical healing, but a spiritual healing, even if the eyes are open. The question also that I have is, what Jesus do you know, not for the rest of the world, but what Jesus do you know for your own life? Do you know Jesus well enough for you? Not, you know, forget about the rest of the world. What's your relationship with Jesus like? What's What's your thoughts about Jesus. You know, is he a Sunday morning? Is he somebody who waits in the sanctuary at church on a Sunday morning? Or is he somebody who goes with you each and every day of your life? And if he goes with you each and every day of your life, do you have the expectation that he is right there leading you? Or is he just a friend who just is kind of tagging along? And before you answer, it's easy to say, well, yeah, he's always with me. Like, he's in my heart. I carry him with me all the time. But yet, when we go out and we make decisions in life, when we go out and we do things in life uh, that, whatever, on our everyday, whether it's sending a text or buying a product or, you know, whatever, do we make decisions knowing that Jesus is right there with us? Or... Do we just say, well, Jesus is, you know, I carry the essence of Jesus in my heart, but, you know, when it comes to my life, I'm kind of out on my own, doing my own thing. I'm independent of Jesus or anything else, anybody else, and I'm doing my own thing. So what's your relationship really, truly like with Jesus? I think, you know, when I, when I, going back, I considered um, all these people, and like the blind man and the woman with the blood and the woman at the well and, and the blind beggar and those guys. And I think, well, who, when Jesus approached them, what was life like for them? Were they right with God by the time that they met Jesus? You know, did they have everything right? Uh, doesn't sound that way. Was, was the woman with the blood issue a sinner by the time she pulled on the 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 hem of Jesus' garment, the, the tzitzit, the tassels? I mean, was she still a sinner? Yeah. Was the woman at the well a sinner when Jesus met her? Yeah. She didn't have to have everything right. Was the blind man a sinner? Yeah, absolutely. Was the beggar a sinner? Of course. They weren't right with God. But they knew, and they believed, and they trusted. That's what healed them, is their belief in Jesus, and their belief in who Jesus was. It's kind of like a friendship. I don't know if you've ever, like, when you develop a, a new friendship, and you start to call each other a little bit more consistently, or you text each other more consistently, and and um, as your friendship grows, right, you you start to really enjoy that person or those people in your life. And um, when you, as you grow into that friendship, then you, you start to become more open. You let your guard down a little bit. I mean, nobody really lets their guard down completely at first when they first meet somebody. There's always, you're, you're always 
you know, testing the waters and you're testing the boundaries of the friendship uh, as time goes on and you you start to to push a little bit to see where you're at in the friendship. You might not realize that you're doing it, but you're doing it. You're pushing to see where you're at in the friendship until finally um, you feel a little bit more open. You feel a little bit more able to to talk freely and, and open up and and be willing to say things that you wouldn't just tell people, right? Uh, you might have that one friend who knows more about you than anybody else does. And they might they might know about you and you might know about them a little more than anyone else does because you've developed that friendship and that trust, right? Well, the same is with Jesus. You have to that you've developed that trust. But when you develop that trust with your friend, you know, and, and excuse me, as you become more open to to telling things, let's say you get now you get into a discussion and you start to really speak your mind and it's something that they might not agree with. Now that friendship is so important to you that you've worried, you start to worry a little bit, oh great, did I offend this person by the way that I think? Did I offend this person with something that I did? You know, did I did I hurt them? I don't want to hurt somebody by my thoughts or by my actions. I don't want to hurt them. So did I, you know, that's your worry. Did I, did I do, did I offend them by this action or by this thought? And it causes you to take a step back and go, okay, is my thought valid or were my actions valid? Are they valid? Because time's going to come when that thought is going to come again, or those actions, the 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 door is going to open up for me to act the same way that I did. Uh, and if I really truly love this person, you know, and I know that it hurt them, would I continue to do that thing or think that same way? You know, you you just take stock of of those thoughts. It's the same with Jesus. So when you talk about sin. In the world today, you know, we we want to say, well, get right and then come to church, or get right and then come to Jesus. Well, no, that's not what this is about. It's get come to Jesus, let Him meet you where you're at, and let Him become a friend to you. Let Him be be in a relationship with you and evolve in this relationship with Jesus, and stop worrying about do I have it all right? You know, because Jesus is somebody who wants to lead you through the valley of the shadow of death. He wants to lead you to the still waters. He wants to lead you to the 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 uh, green pastures or whatever. And he wants to be the one to lead you to restoration and all those things. You can't do that on your own. But what you can do is you can go, you know what? This life over here that I've been living, this guy over here, this Jesus that I'm now in a relationship with, he means so much more to me. And the life that he has, the life that he provides, that that friendship that he provides is so much more important than this life that I've been living over here. And then you notice yourself start to change a little bit. That's what a relationship with Jesus is about. It's about seeing the changes, the positive, powerful changes and restoration in your own life. And through that, other people see that power at work in you. And then they begin to know the real Jesus. So my question is, what Jesus do you know for your own life? Are you presenting a Jesus who is just a Sunday morning Jesus that you go and worship and hang out with for an hour and then you leave? Or is this the Jesus that comes with you to Sunday church? You worship, you you he comes with you and he goes with you throughout the day and 
and that relationship is always there with you. You know, you maybe you are at dinner and you say a dinner prayer. The, when I was a kid, the dinner prayer that we always said was, come Lord Jesus, be our guest. Right when and that that was a, a sort of a family prayer at dinner time that that we when I was a kid that's what we used to say just come Lord Jesus be our guest well did we really mean that like come hang out with us Jesus be my friend at the dinner table you know be my date at the dinner table you know be my God at the dinner table be my Lord at the dinner table do we do we really mean that or were we just saying words and so the idea is. You know, what Jesus do I know throughout the everyday life that I lead? Is he, is he just somebody waiting for me on Sunday, or is he somebody who's there all the time? Am I texting him all the time? And I say text as a metaphor. Am I calling him all the time? Meaning, am I talking to him? Am I praying? Am I just in conversation with him? Even if I don't feel like he's talking back to me, am I in conversation? Or am I in a quiet time with him? Sometimes... Being quiet and just listening for him uh, reminds me of Elijah on the mountain. He wasn't in all the big, heavy, you know, stormy fire and whatever, the strong winds and all that. Instead, Elijah, when he walks out and he's intent and it's quiet, he hears the Lord in a gentle whisper. Because the Lord is loving. He's a loving God. It doesn't have to, he doesn't have to, being known in the big stuff, right? We look for God in the 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 big things and in the what we deem as powerful moves and the thunder and the lightning and you know uh, all those metaphorical like big things. But God is a God who is He's a gentle God too. He's in the He's in the quiet whisper, and if we would just get quiet and not force it, but just be quiet enough that God would. Would we would quiet our mind enough, quiet our hearts enough that God would begin to speak to us? Even like I don't know if you if you go for drives or not, but to go out for a drive and just don't turn the radio on, just take it all in. Whatever your whatever's there, take it all in uh, in a quiet time and just get quiet with the Lord. Uh, that's that's what I try to do in the mornings. I try to go out for uh, just a drive, and I try to have quiet time with the Lord. Sometimes I'm listening to music, um, but sometimes I'm not. Sometimes I just have to have that quiet time with the Lord. And I, so I've got my coffee, and I'm you know, just driving down back roads and, and whatever, and just listening. And sometimes I feel like God speaks to me, and sometimes I just don't hear it. I'll be honest. Sometimes I just don't hear it. Sometimes I just don't feel it. And you'll know. When God speaks to you, you'll know. But the question is, are you inviting him? Is he is he a part of your everyday life? That's this is the kind of friend like when you talk think about that special friend, or maybe even it's a romantic relationship. Uh when you think about that special person or people in your life and you think, I don't I want them to be a part of my everyday life. I I want them to be a they know the best. They know the worst of me. Uh, they know the ins and outs of who I am, and they still love me. They love me even though I've hurt them. They love me even though I'm, I've missed the mark with them. They love me no matter what. Nothing can separate me from their love. 
I know, and same for them. Nothing can separate them from my love, that friend or that that intimate partner, the intimate relationship, uh, your spouse, um, or your dating, you know, that person who you've just grown so attached to. And you begin to think, nothing can separate me, but I want them as a part of my everyday life. That's the people that you want to stick around, Right. Well, that's who Jesus is. That's who Jesus wants to be. That's the Jesus we put out there into the we need to be putting out there in the world. He's the guy who loves me no matter what. I miss the mark with him, but I don't want to miss the mark with him. You know, I sin, but I don't want to sin because I know what that does to this to this relationship. I know and it doesn't separate his love from me, but it makes me feel horrible. It makes me feel horrible when I sin. It makes me feel I, you know, the anxiety and the the um, stress about it, knowing that God still loves me, but just going, I totally screwed this up. Man, I messed up. I don't want to mess up. I don't want to. I don't want to do anything, Lord, that is against Your will. You know, You mean so much to me that I don't want to do anything that You don't like, and I fail. I know I fail. These people who Jesus met up with in the Bible, they failed. They failed in their life. The one, the woman at the well had five husbands, and then the guy, she was living with a guy who wasn't even her husband. She failed. There were some things that she failed at in life, and she she admitted it to him. <laughs> I can see you're a prophet. I can see you know me. And then when she goes back into town, he, this guy told me all about myself. And all the things that I've done. He knows me in and out. And yet there was something special about this relationship. He knows the best and the worst of me. And yet there was something about special about this relationship. And so the whole town wants to go out and meet him at the well. Right? That's the Jesus that we need to be portraying. What Jesus do you know? What Jesus do you know? Or Jesus do you know for your personal life? And what Jesus are you putting out there into the world? We're in a time when the world needs restoration. Uh, I don't care if you're if you're listening to this and you go, I don't even believe in Jesus, right? I don't believe in God or whatever. You have to sit there and admit that that things aren't exactly great in the world today, and that the world could use some positivity. The world could use some love. You have to sit there and admit that the, we could use some love. We could use healing. We could use not being hurt, you know, or or whatever. We could use that right now in our world today. So if you're sitting out there even thinking that, I mean, we have to admit that this world is struggling and we need something to turn this around. We need some sort of restoration. If you're a believer, what Jesus are you putting out there so that other people can believe and trust? And maybe it starts within your inner self too. What Jesus are you believing and trusting in? I hope this message was a blessing to you. I hope you would take that light out into the world and that others could experience the same love that you've experienced. Others could experience the healing that you've experienced. And others could experience the restoration that you've experienced. Um, Hopefully you check us out on a Sunday morning. uh, Our services are at 930 and 
you can watch us online. You watch us at YouTube. You could come visit me in Ayersville, Ohio. Uh, you could, you know, check me out on YouTube. My personal channel is New Start Ministry with Jason Vandemark. Uh, there's just different ways that you can you can get hooked up and and be a part of the ministry and or support the ministry even. Uh, either way, I would love to see you. I would love to meet you, um, talk with you, whatever. Um, but until that moment, I hope that you have a wonderful week. I hope that uh, these messages are blessing you, and I pray that they find you well. And if not, then I pray that they they would help in some way, shape, or form bring some sort of light and restoration to your life. I love you, and uh, I look forward to hearing from you one day.